You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Welcome to the 10th episode of The Weekly Brew, your source for political, social, and sports commentary brewed up in 30 minutes or less. I'm Kevin Cook, not Austin Statton, and tonight I'm joined by Zach Taylor. Say hello, Zach. Hey, guys. First of all, everybody that's listening to this should go to iTunes, find us, The Weekly Brew, subscribe, and leave a review. The review should only be five stars, uh, and you should leave some sort of a blurb talking about how informative, how delightful, and how entertaining we are. Uh, that helps us a lot. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Weekly Brewcast. Uh, go like us on Facebook. We uh, post a lot of our stuff there. And certainly if we interact with you, we'd love to have some interaction on Facebook. And then for Twitter, it's at Weekly Brewcast. And my personal Twitter handle is at KMichaelCook. And Zach Taylor, you don't have any of those, I believe. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. I'm actually not on social media. I think I have a LinkedIn account, but I haven't logged in in probably over a year. So the next logical question, of course, is why are you not on social media? Because it's fair to say that everyone in the universe is on social media. I think you're the only one. So we'd all be entertained to hear what's the deal. (laughs) You're absolutely right about that. I usually have to explain to people that it's a question of whether or not I actually exist. I got off really because I was kind of tired of just the the addiction of uh, social media and the loudness and the noise that it was kind of creating in my life. I got to the point where with Twitter, I couldn't touch my phone or open my phone and not check Twitter and and read that, uh, even if that wasn't the point of going to my phone to begin with. Um, Similarly with Facebook, uh, I I kind of got to the point where I was hearing, you know, like other people talking about, um, you know, I I would would meet up with friends from high school and ask them, oh, well, you know, you remember this other friend from high school, uh, how are they doing? And, you know, because they've been talking about them and, um, well, when was the last time you saw them? Oh, I haven't seen them for three years or really talked to them for three years. They've just been following their Facebook posts and stuff. And um, to be honest, I, I just... That wasn't for me, uh, so I got off, and, and since I've gotten off, I just I really enjoy the uh, the quietness that it's brought to my life. Um, it's, it's a lot more peaceful, and and uh, there are certainly some advent advantages and, and great things that social media brings to people's lives, and I'm not one of those people that, that advocates that people shouldn't be on social media, shouldn't use it. Just honestly, for me, it, uh, it was a choice to get off and stay off, and, and I'm enjoying it. I like it. I gotta say... How do you deceive people about the quality of your life and make them think that your life is more exciting, uh, more fun, or more entertaining than it really is? Because I find social media to be a great way to lie to people about what it is that I'm doing, who I'm doing it with, and how much I'm enjoying it. So it seems almost like it would be hard to be dishonest about your life without social media. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's true. Um, I, I try to not be uh, dishonest about that uh, in, in any way, and I think that's uh Another another aspect of social media that I just really kind of wanted to get away from was trying to make it seem like my life was better or worse than what it actually was. Um, and so for, for any of my friends or anybody who I, I communicate with, uh, I am you know just want to be honest about what's going on with me and where I am in my life. I love that you threw in the or worse part because there really are people that do both. There's people that try to make their lives look better. And then there are people that are, I think, equally as annoying that do try to make their lives seem worse. They sort of troll for likes and sympathy. And that's just as bad. So I will say I admire you. I'm not like you. I'm on social media. I'm addicted to it. I can't stand the quiet of my life or uh, what's going on in my own head without some sort of noise to stimulate myself. So more power to you. But uh, for the rest of us, you can certainly follow us on at Weekly Brewcast and we will be making noise uh, to drown out these sorrows in our own lives. Uh, speaking of which, Austin, uh, not with us tonight. Some personal stuff. Uh, not going to get into it, but I just want to tell Austin that um, I love him at the risk of sounding lame and sentimental. I've known Austin a long time, 
and uh, wish him the best. We're, uh, we love him. We're praying for him at this point. And J-Pax is doing what is it tonight? Honestly, um, I think he's doing some work stuff. So um, yet again, another fail by J-Pax. So our heart doesn't exactly go out to him in the same way, but uh, missing you too, J-Pax. Those two guys will be back next week, I imagine, but just us tonight. Uh, so a bit more of an open, free format kind of affair um, and a little peek behind the curtains here. I don't know you, Zach, um, and you don't know me. Uh, so I think tonight maybe we can get to know each other a little better and the listeners can get to know us as well. So uh, speaking of which, I was at a Starbucks today doing some work for my actual job. I'm a reporter, sports reporter for Houston Community Newspapers, and uh, we had a print deadline today. And so co-work and I were working in Starbucks. Have you ever been at like a Starbucks or like a little coffee shop and overheard somebody's first date? Do you listen to people? Uh, to be honest, actually, I try to not. Um, I kind of, you kind of can't help, can't help in some of those situations, but uh but yeah, every now and again, you kind of get drawn into a conversation that's going on behind you or next to you. You sound like a delightful person, and I'm realizing how terrible of a person I am just <laughs> listening to this conversation we're having, because I absolutely uh, listen over here, and I attempt to. So I was at Starbucks, and I overheard this first date, and to paint a picture for you, it was an older couple. There was a Hispanic woman in scrubs, uh, very pretty, she was older, uh, and a 50s-ish guy, he's like a classic white business shirt tucked into jeans with a belt holster for the phone. I think he was wearing a class ring. Um, I'm not at all convinced they weren't both cheating on their spouses, but uh, this guy had Ashley Madison written all over him. I think that he probably had his name released in that big brouhaha recently. Um, but he's one of those guys who kept his hands all over her the entire time they were speaking. Very suggestive. I don't know if you've ever heard like a, like a gross, leering, older man hitting on a woman with no reservations. But he said lots of like really stupid, unbearable innuendo. I was totally taken off my game. I almost missed my deadline watching this. Um, but he sort of was talking to her in a very suggestive way about how he refused to get his dog neutered. And he said he didn't want to break his spirit. He's very graphic. I remember him like cupping his hands at one point to, to gesticulate. Uh, and he sort of used that little charming conversational piece as a segue into how he doesn't want to have any more kids, but I'm quoting here, my equipment's still in working order, in great condition actually. Never going to touch it. Nope, no way. And that was sort of the way that he was hitting on this woman who oddly enough was laughing very hard the whole time to the point that I was questioning whether or not she was like on the clock. Uh, she might have been uh, employed for her time, it felt like. But she had a vested interest in letting him know that he was the funniest human being she'd ever let grope her in a coffee shop. Uh, and at the same time, it was very clear this was a terrible, terrible first date for this woman. So I got to thinking about my worst first date ever. And as I understand it, you have no worst first, first date story? You know, honestly, um, I can't say that I do. Nothing uh, that's, you know, overly, uh, n nothing that compares with that, um, I don't think. That's amazing to me, which again, I think just goes to show what a decent guy you are. I imagine all of your first dates are very sweet and there's no hard feelings or weirdness afterward. I'm not that way. I do have uh, a worst first date story ever. And we would love to hear listeners' worst first date stories on Facebook. So again, go find us on Facebook, like our page. And if you want to share, uh, we'll take some of the best stories and we will uh, we'll examine them on the air next week. But uh, just to kind of give you a little window into what life as me is like, uh, I'm going to drop some names here. <clears throat> I happen to know some famous people through uh, some family. So if that's something that offends you, then I apologize ahead of time. But uh, when I graduated from high school in 2005, I went on the road with my aunt, who's a country singer. Leanne Womack, she was notable um, a while back. It's been some time. Are you familiar with her? Uh, I have not heard her. Yeah, uh, she has a song, I Hope You Dance, I think, in which my actual cousins are in the video. It's a very sweet music video. She dances with her daughters in it. 
sold a lot of merchandise based on that song. So that was sort of her pop crossover hit that she had uh, a while back. So in 2005, she was on tour with Toby Keith, uh, the big throwdown tour too, which also included Shooter Jennings, uh, a guy that I love, Waylon Jennings' son. Got to know him pretty well. But um, So we were in Vegas and uh, doing a show there. And it was for uh, my aunt's birthday. Uh, I went to Urban Outfitters to get a bunch of stuff for her party, kind of to get set up uh, lights and things like that and set up her dressing room for her birthday extravaganza. And I saw the cutest, cutest girl working at Urban Outfitters. I was 18 at the time. She was probably 19 or 20. Um, She was actually talking behind the counter as I was checking out about Toby Keith and how she wished that she had tickets, but it was totally sold out. And I'm not this guy. Do you do you just like ask women on dates or ask women for their numbers ever? Uh, yes, I, I have done that before. I don't know how because I'm very – I'm not personable. I'm kind of mean, but I'm very ostentatious. So I don't mind speaking to people, but just the idea of just – I just trying to make something out of nothing. I'm not that guy, but I felt like I had a hook here because she really wanted to see Toby Keith. And of course, being my aunt's son, I had access to uh, two VIP passes, one for myself and then one that I could share with guests. You know, if I happen to know people in the city we were in. And so I thought I was being very smooth and I was sort of like, Hey, like, what are you doing? Like afterwards, she's like, Oh, you know, I wish I could go to that show, but it's all sold out. I said, well, uh, would you like to go? And she's like, Oh yeah, of course I'd love to go. It's like, well, I would love to take you. Um, I have two VIP passes. I think we should go together. It'd be really fun. What time to get off? And sort of did that whole thing. And it felt like at the time, this enormous step forward for me as a human being and as a man. Never done this before. I was single at the time, which, I, you know, <laughs> that's, that's know that a plus. Time. <laughs> and um, so I agreed to meet her there and, and take her to the show after. So I kind of got dressed up, real nervous. You've never done this before. Went and grabbed her. She was very sweet. Um, I think I was confused about whether or not to hold hands kind of on the way to the show because it's Vegas. It's all like you don't even have to go outside. We went from where she worked in the Urban Outfitters to like where the show was, all underground and stuff. So I kept kind of bumping her hand with my hand, I think, was the way that I approached it, and it wasn't uh, terribly successful. But but I'm entertaining, so she enjoyed the walk, I think. And so we got settled. Uh, I think that my aunt's opening act was kind of uh, wrapping up or whatever, and then and we sat down right before Toby's set. So we're sitting there kind of talking. I was getting to know a little bit about her, talking mostly about myself, which is my approach to first dates. Uh, when Toby came on, she was super excited. And then about halfway through his second song, she was like, okay, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. I was like, sweet. So I had some time to think by myself. Like, I am really cool. I am. <laughs> this is a cool thing. I'm a cool guy. This is working for me. I'm going to be this guy from now on. I just, I, in my mind, I became that guy. And uh, so I was really jamming out, like thinking about that. And then it kind of went to the third song. The fourth song started oh. to kind of ramp up a little bit with the energy. Yeah, yeah, you could see it coming. Oh, I think. man. <laughs> Just judging from your reaction there. So I kind of go out and I look, and the line to the women's restroom is huge. So I'm like, okay, she's, she's stuck there. Not a big deal. So I hang around, and I think you know what happens. Goes all the way to the end of his set. And I, I, I will say this. Um, I hate Toby Keith. Uh, both as a person and as a musician. We'll hear why in a minute. But I did not enjoy the set. I was waiting for the whole time. So I was majorly bummed at the end of it. And I was thinking to myself, am I so terrible? This is the 180 idea. Am I so terrible that she now doesn't, you know, she, she left this awesome opportunity just to not be with me. And it didn't dawn on me that with the past, which I let her hold on to, she had total access to everything. She didn't need to sit in there and watch the show because she could and did go backstage with her pass, totally unmolested by the security, and she went and gate crashed my aunt's birthday party. And she got 
trashed with all the free liquor that was back there. Oh, goodness. And then when they kicked her out of my aunt's birthday party for being rude, I think she called my aunt a really dirty word at some point, said that she hated her. Um, she then went to Toby Keith's dressing room, not dressing room, it's like a big kind of a gathering place afterward uh, backstage, and she drank more and she threw up on the floor of his room, insulted his security staff and uh, some of the people around there, kept demanding to meet him, um, said that he was really hot or whatever and she had to meet him. And so she eventually got herself thrown out of there. And so I remember the uh, <clears throat> security person for the tour came to me afterward and said, um, "We need to we need to take your your VIP. You can't have you can only have one for yourself. You're not <laughs> you're not trustworthy enough to have two of these things." And the final result of it is that on the next stop in the tour, which I believe is Atlanta, Phillips Arena, I was kind of walking down a narrow hallway. Um, and Toby Keith and two of his people were kind of walking down the hallway towards me. So there wasn't a lot of room. And if you know anything about Toby Keith. He's a giant of a human being. I think he's like eight and a half feet tall, 450 pounds. That's what it felt like. And so he kind of walks past me and you do that thing where guys do where there's kind of like a shoulder check coming, you know? And so I kind of lean away from it a little bit and he leans into it and he put me on the ground. And I know in my heart of hearts that that was payback for that horrible first date or that girl went back and threw up on his dressing room floor. <laughs> and, uh, and Toby Keith and I have never spoken since. Oh my gosh. What, what a story. And so since then, I've never had like a first, I've always kind of like developed relationships with women that I'm friends with. And I have a girlfriend. Uh, I love her. I'm very happy with her. Uh, but it definitely developed organically because I think that broke me of that, okay, I can do this. I could just ask out a random woman because the one time it happened, I got burned so badly. Privileges taken away. I was sort of viewed skeptically after that and Toby Keith uh, actually physically assaulted me. Uh, so that was that was a pretty bad first date for me. So I'm glad that you don't have any sort of horrible first date stories like that. But I um I have I have many stories that are that are just like that, and that's just one of them. So oh goodness, well I happy look to forward let, to let you get to know me. I look forward to to hearing more of them. I'm really sorry that happened though. That's uh that's that's rough. And it doesn't feel like I can really demand anyone's sympathy there because I feel like I was kind of naive a little bit but also kind of full of myself too and so i think i got exactly what i deserved when i tell people that story they usually aren't like oh man i'm really sorry that happened to you it's usually like well that's kind of how the cookie crumbles buddy so <laughs> that's uh, that's one of my favorite stories so wow I'm, I'm really glad that you shared that kevin uh i'm really glad to get to know you a little bit better um i i do have you know like a, not every first date has been you know rosy or, or great for me uh but, uh, you know, nothing um, really sticks out overly, uh, you know, just memorable. Really one of the first ones that comes to my mind of uh, something that I'd like to share with you and the audience about myself is uh, I am I'm an avid traveler. I really enjoy traveling abroad, particularly to Europe. Uh, and just to kind of give you a little bit of background um, on me, when I was at Baylor, I uh, studied accounting. Um, and one of the uh, things for anybody who isn't familiar with the way business schools usually work in accounting in particular, uh, you have to do an internship. Um, to finish your uh, your curriculum there for that major, and um, almost you know exclusively accounting majors will work during busy season, which is usually January through March um, of any given year. And uh, so usually, uh, at least at the way it works at Baylor, and I'm assuming most other major programs, um, is that ends up being a transition into the graduate school um, for accounting. I actually was not going to graduate school for accounting following that time. So I didn't have any sort of like prearranged, you know, pre-structured courses after March, you know, that were tailored just to the last two months of a semester. Um, so I wasn't able to start class again until summer school. Um, so I just basically had my summer two months early uh, from the middle of March to the beginning of June. 
And I was trying to think of uh, something to do. Um, I'd already had plans with a few of my friends back in Waco uh, to go uh, uh, backpack through Europe for a couple of weeks once uh, the semester ended down there. And I got to thinking, you know, I just head over to Europe um, a little early. So I stuck around in in, uh, in, uh, in, in Texas for a little while. Uh, I was a groomsman in a friend's wedding. And then like the day after the wedding was over, I actually got on a plane and headed for England. Um, I actually uh, rented a cottage in uh, the Lake District in northern England in a little cha- town uh, village actually called uh, Chapel Style, right close to the uh, Great Langdale Valley. Uh, and was there for about a month. Um, it was a great experience. Uh, so I flew over uh, the day uh, after the wedding, uh, about mid-April. I believe it was April 19th, maybe? Uh, maybe April 20th, somewhere around there, of 2009. Uh, so I, I get there, and you know I'm, I'm all by myself. I, I'm trying to get over jet lag and you know, taking a little slow from that. And, and I wasn't feeling all that great. You know, after I got there and stuff, I just kind of started to feel a little run down. I thought maybe it was just, you know, jet lag. And then that kind of turned into a little something a, a few days later, you know, two, three days later. Um, I, I was just starting to have a cough, just generally feeling just bad. So I called my uh, landlord at the time. His name was Michael, uh, and his wife is Andrea. They are an elderly couple um, living up there in the uh, in the Lake District. Um, uh, they're about early 70s. They had retired and, and moved up there. It's a beautiful area, perfect for retirement. Anyway, so I called Michael and just explained, uh, you know, I'm not feeling all that well. Can you possibly give me directions uh, of where the nearest pharmacist um, might be or chemist? that they call them uh, in, over there. And uh, so I thought I'd just swing by and pick up some cold and flu medicine or some cough drops, you know, just something to make me feel better. Anyway, so Michael uh, asked and, you know, kind of provoked me and, and asked, you know, what was going on. And, and I explained that I just wasn't feeling all that great. And he said, no, 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 I'm not, I won't tell you where the chemist is. I'll come pick you up and I'll take you to our family doctor. It's the least we can do. I want to make sure we get you taken care of. Um, so he comes and picks me up and drives me to his family doctor there in the Lake District. And I walk in and have to go through a little bit extra paperwork, you know, because I'm not a UK citizen. Um, handover. And I'm going to go ahead and explain this, you know, with a little bit of hindsight going on, but keep in mind at the time when I was going through this, I was oblivious to what was going on. So I hand over my driver's license to show, you know, I'm, I'm from Texas, you know, it says I'm, I have a Texas driver's license and, uh, the lady kind of, kind of like looks up after she sees it and kind of like, you know, kind of does a little, well, that seems a little unusual, which you know, I kind of made sense at the time. Um, it was middle of March. It wasn't peak travel well, because season. They yet. usually ride horses. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and I didn't really think anything of it. You know, I thought it's not peak travel time yet. Um, and so maybe that was what was going on. Just wasn't expecting that. And uh, okay, so immediately after that, um, they walk us down uh, the hallway into what wasn't the waiting room. In fact, it was actually more like a, uh, like a large closet that was actually right next to the waiting room. And, and that, that door kind of flung open as we were. I was just kind of like looking around and noticed like okay, there was the waiting room. I saw some other people waiting. But at the same time, I just, I don't know why, it just didn't, didn't click with me. I thought maybe, you know, the waiting room was just too full and, and this was sort of like overflow or whatever. So sat there, you know, for just a couple of minutes. And you know how long, you know, waiting at the doctor takes, you know. Um, I get in like that, you know, like snap of a finger. The doctor comes, knocks on the door and asks for me to come down, asks if I'm ready. Uh, this was like literally maybe two or three minutes later. Um, and uh, instead of taking me into a regular examining room, took me into the doctor's office. At this time, I'm still just not putting the pieces together that this is just a little odd. So we get into the doctor's office. I sit down in the chair on the other side of the desk. Um, Michael sits down next to me and, and the doctor sits on her side of the desk and says, okay, so um, what brings you in today? And uh, I just start, you know, kind of um, explaining some of my symptoms. 
it's at this point I feel like I need to inform you and the audience that about the time, and when I mean about the time, I mean almost the day that I left Dallas for London um, was the day that swine flu became a thing and got all over the news. Well, because I was on a plane and then, you know, was in a remote area of northern England, not feeling all that great, I wasn't really up to date with what was going on in the world. So anyway, um, <laughs> the doctor just asked, you know, so can you tell me what's going on? And I just start describing, you know, I'm just not feeling that well. I got a little bit of fever, just kind of a little aching, you know, honestly, just kind of like flu-like sy- symptoms, honestly. And, and the second I said flu-like symptoms, like her eyes got about as big as you can possibly get. She like slowly looks over and turns to Michael and he nods his head very slowly like, yes, like that's, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so she turns back to me and says, okay, can you explain uh, a little bit further? And she kind of like, let me keep, you know, explaining what was going on. And it, when I got done, you've been she eating asked, a lot of okay, bacon lately. Do what? She asked you if you've been eating a lot of bacon lately. Uh, any bad pork in your diet? <laughs> no, she actually, she, she first asked me, um, do, are you, do you know, do you know about the swine flu? And, um, I said, no, I haven't, I haven't heard of that. Um, and so she starts explaining to me the swine flu and like, you know, it, where it comes from and what it is and, and all that. And so at this time, my eyes start matching how big her eyes had previously gotten. And I'm sitting there in the doctor's office, honestly thinking, I am going to be responsible for making swine flu a worldwide epidemic. So for about <laughs> five minutes, I was like terrified that I was going to be making the nightly news for all the wrong reasons turned out um did some tests did some blood work did all that um she assured me as uh, as i left the office and gave me my uh, prescription and antibiotics um that okay I- i've given you some stuff if you don't start feeling better in a couple days give us a call don't come in i will come to you um uh, but just let us know oh, if you're not God. feeling better in a couple days and uh uh went-, went back started feeling better turned out i didn't have the swine flu i did not make it a worldwide epidemic um but uh, there for a while it was a uh, it was a pretty interesting um experience i don't think there's a bad reason to make the nightly news uh if i could put <laughs> myself in your position but actually have swine flu and be on the news where i could drop my twitter handle at k Michael <laughs> i would totally do that uh so i think that it's again i think i think what i'm discovering is that you're a very sweet individual and you're like oh god i hope i don't make people sick and i hope that i don't get a bad reputation and i hope none of these things that i've ever thought i've always just wanted a reputation uh it's sort of like absolute value for me the bigger the reputation the better there's really no consideration given to whether it's positive or negative but um but i'm discovering you know for someone who is a republican and in my you know bigoted mind republicans are not sweet people generally so i think that i'm starting to open up a little bit i think that you're helping me see the other side of these issues uh and and really humanizing uh, you know this NRA Drudge Report crowd to me. Well, I'm 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 glad I'm I'm here to help. Uh, and just to take a a page from your side's playbook, uh, um, and uh, Mrs. Clinton, um, I want to assure you, I am a real person. <laughs> On a side note, Hillary Clinton, very sexy. Oh <laughs> wow, that just happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's power is the ultimate aphrodisiac, and I have to say. Uh, she really, I'm entranced watching her. Just, uh, you know, this, you know, if you're listening, uh, Miss Clinton, is Miss, is it doctor? What does she have a degree? What do we call her? Senator? I don't, I don't know. Whatever she is. Clinton, Hillary. Secretary. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> she is now. Uh, she should reach out to me and uh, we should get together because I know that she has an open marriage and I think that I'm exactly what she is missing in life. So that's an open invitation to Hillary Clinton to hit me up. Well, you know, if that actually works, I can't say that I'm all that mad because that would mean that uh, she's listening to the podcast. So there you go. And we know that Charlie Strong listens. If you were, if you were listening last week, you know, and, and we're following us on Twitter, we uh, did some analytics work. We discovered that the head coach of the UT football team, for now, Charlie Strong, listens to the podcast. So that's a little in-joke for the people that were listening last week, <laughs> just to piss off any new listeners we might have. So uh, at this point in the podcast, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here, but I think I read this segue into the real stories. Uh, that was a story about me. These are real stories. So, uh, Zach, it's time to sit back, grab a drink, Listen and be informed. Let's start with the big lead. The big lead. And the big lead tonight is Wayne Simmons. Now, you've been reading up about Wayne Simmons. I've been reading up about Wayne Simmons. But for the listener who may not be on top of this, who is Wayne Simmons? Wayne Simmons is a Fox News contributor. He was their terror expert. I I will say it is important to note he was unpaid by the company, but still was a regular um, appearance on Fox News on several different shows and was a lead um, voice on Fox News, particularly of the uh, Benghazi reports. Um, a man who claimed to have CIA experience, and I believe I'll let you uh, take it away from there. So I shouldn't have let you introduce it because you're a Fox News apologist. Uh, anybody who's listened to the podcast now for a little while knows that you three guys are dyed-in-the-wool neocon Republicans, essentially. It's an ugly word, but I'll say it. Republicans. Uh, and I, of course, have... I don't think I've actually revealed this on the podcast. I've done work for the Democratic Party. Um, I worked on the campaign for Kim Ogg, who is the Harris County District Attorney candidate, uh, and Sam Houston, who is the Texas Attorney General candidate, when I was doing work for a marketing firm. I think we all know that I hated working for that marketing firm. That was pretty fun work. So obviously, we are on opposite sides of this. And I think it was cute that you pointed out that he was not paid by Fox News, um, as though that matters. What he did do was appear on Fox News and remind me, jog my memory, how did they bill him on those appearances? What was underneath his name? Oh, I honestly don't remember. He claimed he worked as an outside paramilitary special operations officer from 1973 to 2000. Uh, You're right. He did a lot of work with the Benghazi stuff. He's quoted on Fox a lot. Um, This is uh, is where, okay, Fox News spokesperson Irina Brigante, uh, if you're familiar with her, says he was never a contributor to Fox News, although another uh, Fox News gadfly did mistakenly call him such. He uh, basically appeared dozens of times um, on Fox News, always as some sort of expert based on this 1973 to 2000 service, he claims, uh, which was a complete lie. Here's what's really funny about me is if you look, this is from RT.com. He weighs in in 2007 with, um, who was he with? Douglas Kennedy. Uh, He's talking about former FBI agent and CIA spy. I think the name is Nada Nadim Prudy. Uh, who was eventually found guilty of committing fraud and selling state secrets. So this is, I mean, this is just so, um, so much chutzpah it takes to do this, to go on Fox. And he says, somewhere along the line, someone, whoever was responsible for the background check at the FBI, really, really fell down. This has exposed a, a raw nerve, if you will, of a flaw in the background check. And without a background check, this is Wayne Simmons speaking, without knowing who we're hiring and who we are employing to protect our nation, we are in big, big trouble, Simmons added. So that's him talking about someone who committed fraud as he's committing fraud, which he is now indicted for. What do you think is going through his head as he's sitting there telling that to Douglas Kennedy? Oh, my gosh. I, I can't I can't even imagine. I wonder if he was so far removed um, from reality that he possibly even 
thought he created false memories that that were true to him. I I I don't know what goes through a person's head to accuse someone of of doing something that uh, he himself was doing or to to you know berate him for it like that. Um, but then at the same time saying that, I think we all do that and in different ways to different levels and different degrees. But this certainly was um, just, I mean, just a, a complete, uh, a horrible uh, black stain on, on Fox News um, for, uh, for their credibility, uh, certainly. Um, one thing I would like to point out while we are hating on Fox News and how apparently this should just totally disqualify <laughs> anything from Fox News, I'd like to point out Brian Williams from NBC. Um, and I actually, if I, if I remember right, uh, I think uh, Chris Hayes, perhaps, from MSNBC, um, said that they uh, tweeted out that he would really like for uh, Fox News to cover the uh, the Simmons fiasco the way they would if that had happened at any other um, uh, news uh, broadcast company. Uh, and I also uh, would like to ask Chris Hayes that uh, he and anyone else would cover Fox News the same way they covered Brian Williams in, at uh, NBC. Uh, I, think, uh, I think it's a shame that something like this happens, and I certainly do not defend him um, for this. And Fox News is certainly at fault for not doing a more thorough background check and making sure that, that when you have someone like that trying to inform the public of uh, you know, certain situations and, and just you know, the national news, that you've you got to have some more credibility and... and um, and filtering going on there, uh, but this is a this is a similar scenario that has happened at probably almost any uh, news broadcasting company at some point or another. Um, and I certainly don't want to single out Fox News um, more than any other uh, for for falling prey to something like this that that anyone else is possible. I think that for a lot of people, myself included, to talk about Fox News's credibility being a hurt is amusing. Uh, I don't really think that it hurt their credibility in my eyes because they had virtually none to begin with. Uh, it could have happened to a better network, in my opinion. And it does happen to other networks. You're right. This is I, I really have an issue with the 24-hour news cycle in general. I think Fox News is just the uh, worst of all those evils. Um, but here's, here's, a lot of, here's what the real issue is. And this is not necessarily being reported as widely because it's not as fun. But um, the indictment accused Simmons of executing a scheme with the intent to defraud the United States and to obtain money. Um, basically, uh, he was hired as a human terrain system team leader, which as I read that, I don't know what in the world that could possibly mean. <laughs> Speculate for me. Human terrain system team leader. What does that mean? Um, I think he was probably in charge of, uh, I don't know. The first thing that comes to mind is like, uh, Jeeps or Humvees or something. I, I honestly, that, Yeah. That sounds like one of those fancy titles that you just get so confused in hearing you think it sounds cool and then you don't realize I have no idea what that means. Human terrain. I don't I don't know if I mean I know that we treat humans like terrain, especially when we're fighting wars overseas. Um, but basically this government this is uh, an unnamed government contracting company um, that he uses supposed uh, CIA experience to land a job with. And the value of this contract, which of course comes from the taxpayers, um, was listed as 44 million dollars. So it's not like he's also under indictment for some sort of uh, real estate scheme in which he convinced someone there was a real estate investment and there was no real estate investment. He just took their 125K. And that actually, I think, is sort of what brought all this to a head. Uh, but he's made millions. I mean, literally millions. There's another one here. Um, he used that contract, the $44 million contract, as well as his fake CIA background um, to get a contract worth about $72 million in his role as a senior intelligence advisor. How did so many people fall down in their due diligence? How was he able to keep doing this? Are people not checking resumes at the highest levels just like they don't if you're working at, I don't know, like a Burger King? 
You, you know, you'd almost have to think. Uh, I remember the very first, um, you know, scenario that I remember this getting brought up in was uh, George O'Leary. Uh, you remember him back at uh, hired the head coach at Notre Dame football um, for a while. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, and he lost that job because he lied on his resume about being an assistant coach, and you know, just I mean, it was more than more than that, but he lied all over his resume, and I that was my first exposure to um, you know people lying on their resume to get a job, and it just makes no sense to me. I mean, that seems like a pretty easy thing to go check out. You know, you're taking a big risk and hoping that they don't. But I think to your point, um, like do I guess there really isn't as much uh, you know validation that goes on at the higher levels as what it does maybe at the lower levels. It seems like too in companies. Well, that having been said, I will say that I lied on my most recent resume a great deal and uh, nobody checked it. But I would assume if I were working for uh, like the four-letter network or some sort of really big sports industry agency that they would do more work because they have more money at their disposal. I assume that they're less lazy. And I think that whenever I assume good things about people, which is rare, I'm inevitably wrong. Uh, I should never assume the best about people. I think if you assume the worst about people, you're seldom wrong. And when you are, you're pleasantly surprised. Um, but this is just absolutely incredible to me and it's getting the coverage it deserves, I think. Um, but this guy is just, let me run through for you here. This is, um, from mediamatters.org, uh, a website that I stand by and believe certainly, but this is a list of things here. Um, Simmons once appeared on Fox news to criticize a former CIA agent for committing fraud. We talked about that one. Simmons said the United States should profile students from Muslim countries. He's on the record saying that Fox news, Neil Cavuto. Uh, Simmons claimed, if the Democrats come into power, we'll have 9-11s unabated. That's a direct quote. Simmons, America's enemies don't fear, quote, boy king Obama. Simmons claimed there are at least 19 paramilitary Muslim training facilities in the United States. Do you remember that one? That was a big deal when it it came out in uh, January. Simmons called the Obama administration the worst administration ever. That's pretty much par for the course. Uh, and he called Nancy Pelosi a pathological liar whose attacks on the CIA have sent a chill through the CIA and to guys like me, which is just too delightful for words, I think. So, I mean, he really, I, I kind of, to your point, think that he may have so bought into his own you know, falsehoods that he didn't even perceive how ridiculous he was being. But certainly, uh, post hoc, we're seeing all the ridiculousness come out and I couldn't be uh, more entertained by it. It's, it's sad. People were defrauded. Let's not forget that. But it's also, if we're being honest, a very amusing news story, I think. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the, the larger picture, just seeing how this, this uh, type of situation is, is not exclusive to just Fox news or really um, anything. It's just really uh, the picture of the state of what the national media um, has, has kind of just come to Um, seems to be unreliable. I think there've been several, uh, polls come out over the last year, um, just in general, of people not trusting the media and how they uh, would would trust um, certain other sources. Um, uh, or I can't remember. I, I'm sorry, I don't have the the those polls or results to know what they are. But uh, the media came in um, very low as far as trustworthiness and um, the view of bias from from either side, uh, from Fox News or from any other. And I think to your point, like you said, the 24 hour news cycle has, you know, it was a good idea, but I think it has just done a whole lot more harm than it has done good to. Um, the public education on on events and, and world affairs and things like that, and I think it's just a, a real shame that this is the state that we find our our media in, and that a lot of these sources, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, is um, primarily where a whole lot of people get their their opinions from, and just you know regurgitate um, what they hear from there and, and form their own opinions just based on what other people's opinions are, as opposed to researching for themselves. 
and finding out and putting so much trust and uh, just assumed correctness into um, these machines is, I think, just a travesty for our country in general. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I really think that's true. Uh, one more amusing note about this, uh, and this is from a press release from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia. Uh, quote, according to the indictment, Simmons also falsely claimed on national security forums that his prior arrests and c- criminal convictions were directly related to his supposed intelligence work for the CIA. Let me break that down for you. He has been arrested. He has a criminal uh, history. He has been convicted of crimes. On security documents, he claimed that those convictions were the direct result of his work for the CIA. Can you think of a more baller way to explain your criminal history? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I read that, I was <laughs> that, that was awesome. Um, like, good for him for coming up with that and sticking with it. I mean, that's, uh, that's a pretty good write-off of like, okay. Uh, Wayne, it looks like you've been uh, arrested before. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. No, uh, that's totally true. I've been arrested. Here's the thing. It was while well, I couldn't tell I was a CIA operative. I couldn't tell them I was CIA. Of course I was arrested. I was absolutely going to be arrested. It's like, all right. Uh, well, we love what we're seeing. <laughs> yeah. When can you start? Trump card. <laughs> um, I got arrested. Yeah, I was working for the CIA. Okay. I am definitely going to. Uh, I have a bit of a checkered past. We'll get into that on subsequent podcasts, I think. I'm, I'm good now. But uh, I think that if I ever have to explain away my arrest history, it's definitely going to be that I was a secret agent. And that that was just in the course uh, of my line of duty that I got arrested. <laughs> I mean, it's great because how do you really look into that, you know? Exactly. Right? Closing time. All right. Well, uh, that is just about time. Is there anything else you want to get into, Zach? No, I think that covers it. Well, once again, this is the Weekly Brew. You can find us on iTunes. You should not only subscribe and listen, but leave a five-star review telling us how wonderful we are. That helps. Uh, and in Facebook.com slash Weekly Brewcast and on Twitter at Weekly Brewcast. And uh, we would love to hear from you, particularly your worst first date stories. Uh, and we will get into those on the air for the ones that are really good. So uh, we are wishing Austin Staten well and uh, hoping j has got through all of his work. Uh, for the Weekly Brew, I'm Kevin Cook. Uh, let's have a good night. You've been listening to the Weekly Brew. 